Chapter 14 of Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks by Tudor Jenks. Chapter 14. Much in Little. During the time his old master was getting well, Gypsy was much petted by the French soldiers. They called him the dog of the regiment, and made him a handsome collar of the French national colours, blue, red, and white, signifying hope, honour, courage. All were eager to care for the brave little comrade who had saved his master for them. Gypsy delighted in all this, but each day he would make visits to the hospital tent to learn how his master thrived. He mended rapidly, for the wound was nothing once the poison had been taken from his system. In two days he was able to see Gypsy, and the two had a long talk when no one was by. Gypsy's story you know. His master was amazed to learn of the trick by which the Gypsies had stolen his dog, still more surprised to learn of the dog's voyage to America, and he was deeply touched by his dog's devotion in attempting to cross the ocean again. Both wondered at the strange chance that had brought them together in this African island so unexpectedly. Gypsy's master had also a story to tell, but it was quickly told. After losing the dog, which meant loss of his living, the poor fellow had tried many ways to make his daily bread. He had peddled, he had tried to enter the circus ring once more, but could find no place either as acrobat or clown. Then he tried one trade after another, but did not do very well in any. At last, he said to Gypsy, finding Paris had no use for me, and having no friend in the city, I said to myself that I would see something of the world. So I took service in the active army, and when the war began against these islanders, I was sent with my regiment to the city of Tamatave, where you landed. We had one rather serious fight, and then the natives retreated inland. There hasn't been more than a mere skirmish now and then, but one of these skirmishes nearly finished me. If you hadn't come to rescue me, I should have died, surely. When each had told his story, they began to discuss the future. Gypsy, for his master had agreed to call him by this new name, which the little dog liked best of all he had borne, had no idea except to stay with the regiment. But to his surprise, this didn't suit his old master at all. He had many talks with the dog whenever they were left a few minutes by themselves, and in all he insisted that Gypsy ought to go back to America. America, the soldier would say, is the best home for you. You found friends there, and they would be glad to keep you in comfort. If you stay with us, you will have a hard life. But I am glad to share with you, Gypsy insisted. I know, but I am likely to lose my life any day, and then what will become of you? The soldiers will be good to you, no doubt, but there is no quiet and no certainty in their life. No, Gypsy, when we get back to town which will be in a few days now, I will find this sailor and see if I can't get him to take you back to your little American friends, Chris and Helen. Then, when I am once more free, I will come to America too, and we will live there. So their talks always ended, and at last Gypsy was brought to see that his master knew best, and consented. In a few days more the soldiers broke camp, and marched back to Tamatave, where they were in garrison. Then, as soon as he could get leave, Gypsy's old master went with him to the ship that had brought the dog from America, and inquired for Sailor Jack. The two Frenchmen were friends at once, 
and the sailor was delighted to see the little dog once more, and to hear of his strange adventures since their parting on the day they landed. He gladly agreed to take charge of Gypsy again, and to see him safe home to New York as soon as the steamer sailed. She was already loading, and in a week more was ready for the return voyage. During the waiting, Gypsy had a pleasant visit with his master and the other French soldiers, but became so tired of the strict rules and hours of soldier life that he was glad to go aboard the steamer, though sorry to part with his master. They parted on the shore, Gypsy jumped into a little boat, Jack and the other sailors pulled on their oars, and it was good-bye to his old master and to Madagascar. Of course there were various interesting happenings on the voyage home, such, for instance, as the day when Gypsy discovered a fire on board the ship and gave the alarm at the top of his voice, and thus saved her. But one cannot tell everything. After a long and rather prosperous voyage, the vessel came at last to her dock in Brooklyn, and Gypsy went ashore with his sailor friend, a bigger, stronger, brighter dog than he was a few months before, and happy that his voyage, though begun so stupidly, had turned out so well. Sailor Jack was anxious to see that Gypsy was put safely on the train for the town where his friends lived, and so went with him all the way to the Grand Central Station. Once here, Gypsy bade Jack goodbye in dog fashion, and then lurked about the station, waiting to find the Brass Buttons man, who had been so good to him on his former railroad journey. Jack had attached to Gypsy's collar a tag, on which was written the name of the station to which he was going, and a request that the conductor would see he was put off there. All this was done because it was what Gypsy had asked his master to do for him. Besides, there was nothing else to do. Gypsy had told his master he would not be sent home like a package, and had insisted that a dog who could travel half around the world by himself did not need any great care. It was early in the morning when Gypsy got to the station, and it was late in the afternoon before the dog found his friend, the conductor. Seeing him, Gypsy ran up to him at once, and sitting on his haunches, waited to be noticed. "'Well, well,' said the conductor, "'it seems to me I've seen you before. How are you? What is it now, old fellow?' Gypsy shook the tag that was attached to his neck. "'Oh-ho,' said the conductor, laughing. "'I see. You have a ticket now, have you? But that isn't a ticket. It's only a tag. I'm afraid somebody will have to pay your fare.' Gypsy understood him, and began to bark and to shake his head. This made the conductor laugh again. "'So you want to travel on a pass, do you? Well, you're not the only one by several, I know. Come here, pup, and I'll see if I can't fix you out.' Gypsy followed, and the conductor led him through the gates, and then pointed to a car. "'Hop in,' said the conductor, "'and I'll let you know when to get off.' Gypsy jumped into the car, and gladly coiled up in a corner, feeling that his travels were almost over, and were coming to a pleasant conclusion. In about twenty minutes the cars began to move, and then went faster and faster, until they were gliding along at express speed. Gypsy heaved a sigh of relief. Surely, said he, my master was right. I'd rather be in America, travelling on a railway, than bumping about in a packing box carried by a native porter over the hills of Madagascar. End of chapter 14